This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you're having a good one out there in spite of the weather. So someday spring will truly arrive and uh, we'll be happy, but right now not looking great. Outside, um, inside, you're probably listening to this podcast right now. I certainly are if you are hearing what I'm saying right now. Um, and you should be comfortable, you should be in a good place, and getting ready for 30 minutes of quality sports talk and entertainment. Got to talk Timberwolves today, um, blew an opportunity to get closer in the playoff play-in race with a disappointing loss to Washington on Tuesday night. The Wild also lost to Nashville, that becoming a little bit of a concern, that team a tough matchup for the Wild, and it could possibly be a playoff opponent if things break a certain way, so watch out for that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Get into some Gophers hockey talk. Frozen 4 begins tomorrow in Boston. Gophers versus Minnesota State Mankato in the national semifinals. Randy Johnson will help me break that all down. Tiger Woods for sure playing in The Masters, or at least that is the plan as of right now. Sure seems like that is going to be the case when things get teed off on Thursday. And getting some transfer portal talk from a a, a listener question here as well. But first, what did I miss? Like I said at the jump, we're going to talk Timberwolves. Lost on Tuesday at home to the Washington Wizards. Final score in that one, 132 to 114 Washington not an awful team 35 and 44 so you know it's not like one of those teams at the end that's just tanking and and trying to you know play out the string and get a a high draft pick but uh, you know still a team that you're better than they they did not have Bradley Beal Um, you'd like to think you can get that game especially when you're competing for that sixth seed still and you know you can say well it's a long shot and and it was but um Hurts even more because Denver did lose to San Antonio on Tuesday. If the Wolves had won this one, they would have pulled within one game with two to play, and they still had that tiebreaker. That would have felt like it was in reach. That feels like then if you win your last two, all you have to have is Denver go 1-1, and you've got that sixth seed. Now you've got to have those last two games as wins and Denver's last two as losses, a much taller task. So that hurts from that perspective when the Wolves had so much to play for in this game. And defense, the culprit, again, 132 points for Washington. And the Wolves have been giving up a lot of points lately. Um, you know, Throughout the season, I think defense has been, by and large, a pleasant surprise. There's been some slippage post-All-Star break, but particularly lately. Defensive rating in their last 11 games, just 23rd in the league, 118.4. That's the number of points you allow per 100 possessions, I'm sorry, 118.7. Now they've gotten away with it because they've been shooting the ball well. The offense has been clicking. They are still 6-5 and five in those last 11 games, but you can't go into this stretch run playing defense like that. It just isn't going to work. You've got to have, you got to get that defensive identity back. Um, you got to get that level of competition back, and we just did not see that on Tuesday, and that was the most disappointing part to anybody who watched that game, the fans booed the Wolves and you know and rightfully so expectations have been raised for this team you know fans know it's at stake it's a big crowd it's a vocal crowd they are going to show their displeasure with a poor effort Chris Finch 
head coach of the Timberwolves, talked about that effort, talked about that level of competition, talked about the defense in his post-game comments. Let's take a listen to that right now. We just got flat-out out-competed. It doesn't matter if you were long or short or whatever. We just got out-competed. They played harder, uh, which is you know disappointing given everything that we have to play for. You know, we, did, we didn't play with any, any presence, any physicality at the rim. We didn't really guard them. You know, and it was evident from the very beginning. And when you get into one of those games, all you got to do is hit one cold streak, which we did at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and it's over. And again, you know, not the end of the world, right? The, the most likely outcome in this still was going to be that the Wolves are going to wind up as the seventh seed. Six is still technically within reach, but I'd rather almost see them at this point now, you know, fine-tune some things, maybe rest some guys like they're doing a little bit with Patrick Beverly, work Jaden McDaniels back into the mix. He was back in the lineup on uh, on Tuesday. Get everything geared towards what's likely going to be that play-in game next Tuesday or Wednesday against the Clippers. Got to figure out how to beat that team, how to get that seven seed, how to get how to get that matchup against Memphis in the first round that could be, you know, favorable is the wrong word, but better than, you know, trying to scramble and win and get that eight seed and then play Phoenix, which which would be a Kind of a no chance uh, first round playoff opponent. So Wolves need to regroup more than need more than they need to do anything here, um, as opposed to just pressing and going for that six seed. So we will see how that plays out. Two more home games, of course. Um, you got Thursday um, against uh, you know, San Antonio, which clinched a playoff spot. Uh, I'm sorry, play in spot on uh, on Tuesday night with a win. Lakers are out, by the way, and uh, Wolves play then. Sunday in the finale against the Bulls. That game might not have a whole lot of meaning for the Wolves if uh, if things don't break a certain way with them and Denver in this next game. So we'll see about that. But really, this last two games has to be about fine-tuning, making sure they're healthy, and gearing up for that play-in likelihood next week. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. The Wild did not fare any better on Tuesday. Lost 6-2 to two against Nashville, a game with a lot of penalties, a lot of fights, and a familiar ending. The Wild has lost three times now this season, all lopsided losses to Nashville. And now that's... You know, that's concerning in a number of fronts. One, you know, you don't want to ever be dominated by an opponent, even even though, even if that opponent is below you in the standings. Um, you, you don't want uh, you don't want that. And second of all, you know, Nashville is fourth in the division right now, four points behind the Blues, seven points behind the Wild. But if Nashville happens to catch uh, happens to catch St. Louis, that would likely be the Wild's opponent. In the first round, you know, assuming the Wild winds up as the second seed, and and you know, and Nashville winds up as the third seed, so having a team where you've struggled against them, even even if there are extenuating circumstances, I've talked about this before. Capo Kakin and started those first two games that were lopsided final scores uh, against Nashville this season, but uh, you know, then you had uh, you know, in this one, you had uh, you had Mark Andre Fur- Mark Andre Fleury playing this one, so. No excuses in that regard. So if that ends up being the matchup, that that's troublesome. And the Wild do get one more chance against Nashville, April twenty fourth. Be nice to see if they could uh, could secure a win in that game, get a little bit more confidence, especially if that winds up being their playoff opponent. Just thirteen regular season games left. Wild still in very good shape, ninety one points, overall record of forty three. 
21-5. and Kirill Kaprizov had his 40th goal in this game. Seems like he is on a very good pace to break that single-season goal record shared by Marion Gabrick and uh, Eric Stahl at 42. All he needs is two in his final 13 games to tie it, three to pass it. And the pace he's been on lately, he uh, he will pass that in the next five or six games because he has been on fire. But, you know, in this game, the Wild just had no answer for Roman Yossi. He's been great against them all season. The, that Na- Nashville's defenseman, that, you know, a, a great offensive game, a great two-way game. Um, just a you know just a struggle against this team. Some teams are like that. You just have a hard time matching up against certain teams, certain personnel, the way they play, the style of play. It's it's a tough thing to explain sometimes because overall the Wild is a better team than Nashville. But you know matchups will dictate things in the playoffs, and if the Wild ends up playing Nashville, they're going to have to figure that out. I'm going to bring in Randy Johnson here, Gophers uh, hockey writer for the Star Tribune, college hockey writer. Just a programming note, um, not our program, but the uh, college hockey semifinals Thursday. If you are trying to watch them, Denver, Michigan at 4 p.m. is on ESPN2. But the Gophers against Minnesota State Mankato at 7.30 is on ESPNU because baseball has taken over those other channels with the opening night. Um, you know, when this was all planned out, baseball wasn't going to have a special night because opening day should have been a week ago. But now because of the lockout and the late start to the season, this is where we're at. So ESPNU, you're going to need to make sure you have ESPNU to, to be able to watch that Gophers-Mavericks game at 7.30 on Thursday. If the Gophers, or if you're a Mavericks fan, whoever you want to watch in that championship game, 7 p.m. on Saturday, that will be on ESPN2, a much more readily available channel. So that is your programming note, your reminder for trying to watch that game. Happy to have Randy Johnson on Daily Delivery today. Randy does a great job covering a lot of different stuff for the Star Tribune, but he is out at the Frozen Four as we speak, getting ready for news conferences on Wednesday and then the actual games themselves, the Frozen Four semifinals on Thursday. Randy, obviously the big one of local interest is the semifinal between the Gophers and Minnesota State Mankato. Uh, as you think about that game, I mean, first of all, you're, you're, you're there already. Not much has happened yet but uh it's got to be a pretty good it's going to probably be be a pretty good college hockey vibe I would imagine with you know some of these teams traveling and being able to get out there and get those fan bases out there eventually yeah it, it, it certainly will it was, it was interesting on the flight today this morning Tuesday morning here uh, the flight to Boston a lot a lot of gopher fans on there some uh Minnesota State fans too and uh the CCHA commissioner Don Lucio happened to be on the flight too so it uh, yeah it was there was a lot of hockey talk going on uh while people are waiting for their seats. I bet there was, and a lot of that talk, you know, locally, like I said, is about that about that semifinal between the Gophers and Minnesota State Mankato. It's a rematch of last year's region final. Mankato won 4 nothing in, you know, getting to the Frozen Four for the very first time, and now they're back for a second time. This is a hard... I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say it's... Stylistically, this is not necessarily a hard game to predict um i think both i think we know the strengths and weaknesses of both of these teams by now but as you think matchup wise um you know as you think about what happened last year versus what what might happen this year from your perspective what has changed the most for the gophers between last year's region final loss and and this opportunity to get to the title game Uh, you know i i think they're um more prepared to play 
in a playoff type atmosphere this year. They're they're a little grittier. They have a very solid uh, top line of Ben Myers centering Matthew Nyes and Aaron Huglund. So the, and that line's been on fire lately. It was you know very impressive in the regional with um, Huglund setting up Myers for the winning goal against UMass in overtime, and then uh, then Nyes scoring the first uh, goal, uh, Huglund the second in the 3-0 victory over Western Michigan in the regional final. So that uh, the goaltending's been great um, with uh, with Justin Close taking over uh, early January after Jack Lafontaine uh, left left for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I just think this, this Gopher seems a, is a bit better prepared this year uh, for the, the an NCAA tournament and that's uh, situation. Been, you know, and that was for years. That was a, a knock on this program that they weren't gritty enough. That they didn't have kind of those players that could get it. That could get it done in those kind of down low situations. The you know yeah. go, going to getting those scoring those tough goals that that has certainly changed this year. And that's been one of the most impressive things to me about this iteration of Bob Motzko's Gophers. Yeah, I think you know he, he's been looking to do that all along, and, and it's it's come you know basically over the last three years they've they've uh, finished pretty much on a high note. It's just uh, 2020 COVID uh, shuts everything down. Um, last year, you know, they didn't, they didn't, couldn't get past Mankato. Mankato was, you know, a very good team last year and, and is again this year, maybe even better. Um, you know, 37 and five, there's, that's, uh, nothing to sneeze at there. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a, a similar matchup to, uh, what the Gophers face against UMass, you know, a, a very structured team and, and this Mankato team, uh, probably has, uh, more skill than it had last year, even. So with that in mind, I mean, let's talk a little bit about Mankato. You know, they're, you know, for so long that was this is a, a program that's been thought of as you know third or fourth even in this state. You know, you talk about the Gophers, you talk about Minnesota Duluth winning so many championships lately, even St. Cloud making strides. That is not the case anymore. They've been up at or near you know the top of the polls, the top of you know the college hockey for the last few years. How how have they made themselves into this? sort of, of program and, and how can they then translate that into their first national title? Uh, basically they've done it. You know, Mike Hastings done a, a wonderful job down there. You know, he, he's built the team. They're, they're, they're going to be a little bit older than most, you know, he, he'll have some 24, 25 and even 26 year olds on there. You know, he, he gets guys that uh, uh, fit his style, you know, playing some lockdown hockey, but still, still with a good amount of skill. And then, you know, obviously you have an, an outstanding goalie, uh, in Dryden McKay, who's you know he's up for the Hobie or for the Mike Richter Award for the third straight year, and he, he's now a Hobie um, Baker hat trick finalist along with Ben Meyer of the Gophers and Bobby Brink of Denver. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that because I was going to ask you about that. I mean, the, the connections in in that finalist group, uh, a lot of a lot of Minnesota guys. Is there a favorite in your mind going into in going into that uh, announcement, which will be Friday? That's that's a good question. I'm not sure there is a favorite. I think it should, it'll probably be a pretty tight vote. Uh, you know, you, you you look at Dryden McKay, and and you know he's he's the NCAA career shutout leader. Uh, he set the single season wins uh, mark for the NCAA this year. Um, you know, he he's uh, basically he, he's been there so long. He, he's I think he's garnered a lot of credit in that. Uh, Ben Myers has just been a warrior down the stretch for the Gophers. Uh, you know, he came back from the Olympics and has has, has pretty much uh, taken the team on his back. Uh, Bobby Brink, um, Minnetonka kid for Denver, leads the nation in scoring, uh, fourteen goals and uh, forty-two assists. So, yeah, there, there's there's three uh, three pretty high-end players there up for that award. 
Now, obviously, this is not just the Minnesota versus Minnesota State show. The other half of the bracket, awfully good. I mean, this is three number ones, and the Gophers the only number two seed that are here. And you've got obviously you got Michigan and and Denver. How, how do you how do you figure that other semifinal goes? You know, I, I'm I'm curious to see how that one plays out, just because you know both these teams are high scoring. Uh, Denver, I think, had uh, seven or eight guys with with uh, thirty points or more this year. Uh, Michigan had uh, has seven number uh, seven first round NHL draft picks on their roster, uh, including four of the top five from the 2021 draft. Uh, you know, and they both like to play up and down quite a bit. But uh, Denver in beating Minnesota Duluth in the regional final out in Loveland, Colorado last uh, last couple weeks ago was uh, you know basically was, uh, was able to play a shutdown game, and uh, it'll be interesting if if, if they uh, do that against Michigan. Yeah, it will. And it's, uh, you know, it'd be an interesting stylistic matchup, I would imagine, either way in the final, which is Saturday. The semifinals are Thursday. You know, it, you know, Gophers here, if we can sh- kind of shift back to them for a minute. I mean, it, it's, it's such, been such an evolution for this program. I mean, you and I followed them for, you know, for quite some time. And you mm-hmm. had the, the Doug Woog era where they couldn't quite get over the hump and kind of, you know, build on those championships that Herb Brooks won in in the seventies, and then you know Don Lucia comes in and wins those two pretty soon after that, and they've been, they've been trying to get back to that level for a while, and they haven't won a national championship since two thousand three. That's nineteen years for this program. That is a very long time to go. It's about the same, um, you know, even longer, I guess, than the uh, than the drought that they'd endured, or not not quite that long, but you know, no, not quite, but yeah, but almost it's, there. It's, it's, it's a long one, and they're it, yeah, they're they're um, frozen. Uh, the frozen four drought that they ended was. You know, um, basically was tied for the the second longest that they had. So it it uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a situation where yeah, they they needed to you know figure things out, and I, I think they have. Uh, you know, I, I definitely Bob Monsko's got this this program pointed in the right direction. Um, and the one thing too is you, uh, college hockey. There's there's a lot more parity. Uh, and you look at uh, there's just more teams that are putting together teams that can win, and I think a lot of that might have to do with you're getting older players a lot. Everybody's going with uh, guys who play a year or two in the USHL or the NAHL. Um, you know, it's just not guys coming straight out of high school anymore. Absolutely. A couple more things for you, Randy. If you, you know, as you think about this matchup, Gophers versus um, the Mavericks, do you have a do you have a prediction yet, or do you have a sense of which way you think this will go? You know, I I, I haven't really sat down and looked and looked at a prediction yet per se. I'm just uh, it, it's. Um, Whichever team can can force its style on the other one and is comfortable maybe not playing uh, in its usual style. Uh, the Gophers showed that against UMass. They and they got down two goals a couple times uh, right away in the first period, down two nothing. Um, but you know they were able to persevere. So you know I, I think that bodes well for them. Uh, you know, but Matt Cato, you know they, they know how to win. You know, thirty seven wins. And, and five losses this year. They, you know, they and they've done it against good teams. You know, they swept Minnesota Duluth. Uh, they uh, they played Michigan in the Icebreaker tournament way back in October. Lost three to two in the championship game. So it, they're they're right there with the best teams in the country, if if not the best. Absolutely. A final thing for you, Randy, is is if they are able to get past Mankato. I'm talking about the Gophers here, and mm-hmm. manage to win. Saturday night. What, what's what's the level of I mean, how 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 crazy you think it's going to get? You know, just in terms of a fan base that's been waiting 19 years for this. 
Oh yeah, that's that's. I mean, you you saw what uh, what 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 showed up at uh, for the Big Ten championship game against Michigan. You know, they had the largest crowd ever at that Mariucci. So you know, there. I think you know, people are waiting waiting for this to happen uh, if it can. It you know, there, there's I've sensed a, a pretty big level of excitement uh, around this program. Um, you know, especially in the second half of this season. It's 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 you know, it won't be you know, it won't be if they would win it. Um, it won't be like O two when they're they're at at home, but um, you know it's uh, it there there's there's a celebration waiting to happen if it, you know if they could come through. Absolutely. Well, you will be there to cover it. Follow Randy Johnson's work, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Randy, thanks so much. We'll be uh, checking in with you uh, from uh, from from out there as well. Okay, sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. Interesting stuff from Randy Johnson, as always. Like I said, he is on the scene in Boston. You will want to follow his coverage. Star Tribune, StarTribune.com should be a really good game. I think Gophers are playing really well. I think Minnesota State is a very good team that's also playing very well. I mean, they've only lost five times all season long. Imagine this will be a tight game. I, I feel like it's got a, kind of that feel of a 3-2 kind of affair back and forth. Nobody really pulling away, but I am ready to be proven wrong, too, because who knows how these things unfold when they actually happen. Gophers, we'll, we will see uh, quite quite an accomplishment to get this far this season, given everything everything that's been thrown their way. If they could win a national title this season, that would be quite a story. And like Randy said, a lot of people would be ready to celebrate. Let's move on to talk a little golf. Tiger Woods made it official, or at least as official as it can get right now. Um, played a practice round, said he felt good. Uh, had a news conference on Tuesday talking about how he uh, how he thinks he's ready to play. He's going to play the Masters a little more than a year after that gruesome car accident that almost caused him to have his leg amputated. Can Tiger Woods win this thing? Well, all logic says no, right? He's rusty. He's older. He's, a, he's at an age when guys don't usually win majors anymore. I mean, he's in his mid-40s now. Um, you know, he he's coming off a major injury where he still is affected somewhat physically by it. So all logic dictates that there's no way in the world that Tiger Woods should even be able to compete in this tournament. But athletes like this, personalities like this, outsized egos like you have to have to be as great as Tiger Woods is, um, you never count those people out. You never say this person can't win this tournament. You never say this person can't do a certain thing because they are always capable of kind of finding whatever it is that makes them great and channeling it, even if it's just for a few days, like a golf tournament. So it is compelling. Um, it, it makes the Masters infinitely more interesting, even though the Masters is always always going to be interesting anyway. I'll be watching more. I want to see what happens. I know there's probably 30 or 40 other golfers in the field that have a logically better chance of winning this tournament than Tiger Woods. I don't care. My eyes are going to be on Tiger Woods. That's just the way sports work. You, you, your eyes are attracted to the compelling story, and Tiger Woods is the compelling story in this case. How will he fare? Maybe it's just a two-day story. He misses the cut. Life goes on, and then we, then we really pay attention to the guys that we probably should be paying attention to from the jump. But maybe, just maybe, Tiger finds his way into at least some semblance of contention. We see what used to be, what could be, as he enters this kind of next phase of his career. I don't know. All I know is this. It's going to be really interesting to watch. It's going to be really 
exciting and fun to watch, way more so than if Tiger was not involved at all. Let's get to an email from listener Chuck, who says, Hi, Mr. Rand. I really enjoy your podcast and the guests you have on. Uh, Give a lot of information on sports in the Twin Cities. Thank you, Chuck. I'm wondering if you've talked much about the NCAA portal that seems to have athletes leaving the U of M in droves. I have, but I'm happy to talk about it some more here. Maybe because the women's Final Four was in town, I was just more in tune with women's basketball, but it seems that the U's women's basketball team is down to three players. That is accurate. All the starters have left. That is more or less accurate as well. You might have talked about that issue already, but I would like to know more of why the students leave and are they getting a better experience at other places? Is something going on at the U? Thanks and keep up the great work. You know, the transfer portal, we've talked about it on the on the show uh, from time to time. It's fundamentally changed college athletics, you know, students being able to change schools without losing a year of eligibility, without having to go into a major process, uh, is, is fundamentally changing things. And some would argue for the better. I think the empowerment piece of this for athletes is 100% a good thing, but there's also no denying the impact it is having on teams. And the Gophers, both the men's and the women's, seem to be um, experiencing a lot of this when it comes to basketball. You had the men's team a year ago um, when Richard Pitino left, uh, when he was let go. You had you know Ben Johnson come in. A lot of players left via the portal. The players they brought in were not quite the same caliber. Gophers finished last place. Now, that's, a, that's kind of more one of the more common examples of how the portal works, right? The coach leaves. All the players who were recruited by that coach leave, and then you got to kind of start over. So, you can't begrudge a player for wanting a new experience, especially if the coach who brought them in isn't there anymore. Now, the Gophers women is a different story because Lindsey Whalen is still the head coach. Um, and, you know, I think this is just a case of they haven't experienced the success they thought they would have or wanted to have under Lindsey Whalen. So now you're seeing a lot of these high-profile players leave, the biggest one being Sarah Scalia, probably the most um, surprising one, Sarah Scalia entering the portal that was announced last week. But a lot of other teams leaving, or a lot of other players leaving the Gophers as well. Some of them probably would not have played much, but certainly Sarah Scalia and some of her other teammates, I know Caddy Sissoko, um, would have certainly had an impact on the 2022-23 Gophers when they have a lot of those incoming freshmen coming in that we've talked about that could impact this program for years to come. Now, is this disproportionately going to affect the Gophers going forward, or is this just a one-off where both of these programs, the men and the women, have had the circumstances that make it ripe for the portal? I don't know. That's going to be interesting to watch going forward. You would think that a school that, you know, is is a Big Ten school that has, you know, a lot of the facilities, a lot of the, you know, cachet that you want to have um, in terms of attracting high-profile athletes and being able to keep them, you'd like to think that that's not going to be the case going forward, that they will be able to benefit as much from the portal, if not more, than they than they lose from the portal. But right now, uh, Chuck, you're absolutely right. This does seem to be impacting the Gophers quite a bit. It's going to make this a very tricky offseason for Lindsey Whalen as she tries to navigate putting together a roster, adding some veteran, you know, older players around some of these very good younger players that are supposed to be coming in. And watch it for the future, because if these younger players aren't happy with the experience and end up leaving, that is going to be a very dicey proposition for Lindsey Whalen going forward. Let's finish quickly with the cooler. This just happened as I was recording on Wednesday morning. Twins officially announcing that the opener has been postponed 
from Thursday to Friday. First pitch, 310. Forecast Friday looks slightly better than Thursday, at least drier than Thursday. Just an awful run of weather here, but it looks like the weather over the weekend gets a lot better Saturday and Sunday, so maybe get outside, get some get some Twins baseball, stay dry, and uh, see this thing get underway. But if you're planning on taking the day off Thursday or something like that, no longer the case. It is a Friday 3:10 start target field against the Mariners. That will do it for today. It'll be a lot more Twins talk tomorrow with Phil Miller, and uh, we'll see you then.